So all the earth is going to shout his praise, but it's his breath in our lungs, right, that we actually get to do that. Even the fact that we even get to sing, that we get to express the fact that you're breathing and living, it's a great reminder for me. I don't know why I would say in the last three or four months for me, um, especially sitting outside in the beauty of God's creation, getting up early every morning and trying to spend time with him, I've just been in awe uh, lately of his creation. Anybody else love his creation? I mean, it's, I, you know, it's a lot of people I know who don't really believe there is a God love creation. <laughs> and it's the one thing that actually boggles their minds a little bit, right? When they look up in the sky and see all those stars and all the beauty, the actual order of our creation, the diversity of it. God's creation is amazing. In Psalm 19, 1 and 6, it says this, the heavens Declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. I love the poetry here, right? Because psalms are, so, are songs, they're poetry. Listen to this. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. Isn't that a cool picture? It rises at one end of the heavens, and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. You know, I love, I love that psalm because one of the things that the Bible tells us is if, and we've talked about this here before, everything that exists, anything that's created, started actually here. So everything that you see that's a creation, everything in this room, initially was an idea. And so everything created is an idea that's expressed. And so that's why creation pours forth the proclaims the glory of God because it helps us to see his mind. All of his creation was an idea, first of his, that he expressed. And so out of the, one of the things, today what we're going to look at, is one of the things that the heavens declare and proclaim and pour forth wisdom about is rhythm. There is rhythm in God's creation. So Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 says this, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Why? To separate the day from the night and to let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. So what we see right off the bat, that there are rhythms that exist within God's creation. One guy calls them the chronos cycles. Chronos, meaning the word for time, right? Chronology. But there are cycles. And so we all understand these. We all live in them. But let's just, let's just remember, there's five of them, okay, that I want you to be thinking about all day long. And hopefully when you leave here as well. There's the annual rhythm, right? We have the year, the annual rhythm, the orbit of our planet around the sun. 
So God created this thing perfectly that, this, that our planet would orbit around the sun in 365 days, 6 hours, 9 minutes, and 10 seconds. Thank God for leap year, right? Now here's what's interesting, though, about that. If there was a slightest shift in that orbit, which would mean instead of orbiting as it would, if it was shifting, that means it'd have to be a, just a touch closer or just a touch farther away, all life would cease to exist on this planet. You guys know that? It's amazing that that orbit of this year is a perfect rhythm for life to even exist on this planet. Otherwise, it would just freeze or we'd all burn up. So there's the annual rhythm. Secondly, there are seasonal rhythms that are in God's creation. This was his idea because the Earth's rotational axis is tilted at an angle of 23.44 degrees. And because of that tilt, we now have our seasons. And God said in Genesis chapter 1, 14, I'm going to create the expanse, everything around, so there are seasons. So there must be purpose for years. There must be purpose for seasons. The agricultural community understands this really well, right? That the seasons matter. The ski community understands this really well, don't you? <laughs> really important to have seasons. So that's the second one. The third one is there now are monthly rhythms in God's creation. There are lunar months, 29.53 days. The orbital characteristics of the moon actually create monthly rhythms. From ocean tides to menstrual cycles, there's monthly rhythm within God's creation. And the moon actually plays a huge part in that. And then we've got weekly rhythms. Now this is an interesting one, we'll get to this later. Weekly rhythms are the only cycle that is not based on astronomical phenomena, okay? So weeks are actually, and this is very interesting, studies now are being done, even on our own bodies and on everything that's created. And even though there isn't a week because of astronomical uh, existence, there have always been these rhythms of seven days. And even Jesus proclaims that there was seven days were made, okay? So plants, insects, animals have weekly cycles. There's something about the week as well. And then the last one is obvious, obviously the daily rhythm. God created in his perfect wisdom days, 24-hour rotation of the earth, that there would be night and that there would be light and daytime. So this is God's idea, right? So now, and this is something you probably haven't thought about a whole lot because you're just used to it. I know there's days and months and seasons and weeks and years, but if God in his wisdom created this, then maybe there's something for us to understand in this whole idea of really looking at time, that there's rhythmic time. And so, today, what we're going to realize is this. Even though God is an amazing God of order, everything he does has incredible order, even with its diversity and its creativity, most of us are living a life of chaos, are we not? And so we knew that when we were going to put this series together, that everybody was struggling with this, right? So if you remember this, we, we threw this video up last week, and just let's watch this real quick, just as a quick reminder of how we struggle with this. Let's show, well, show this. Sorry, Melissa, what are you doing? Yeah, Melissa, I support you. 
all know this right that Johnny's now in counseling <laughs> how many of you did your mom and dad forget to pick you up anybody else forget your mom and dad forget to pick you up oh pretty good only about half of you I swear my mom and dad forgot to pick me up all the time and that was before these existed right so I would sit there forever unless I had a quarter for the payphone, which I never did and I call collect but they weren't home anyway I tell you but here's the point Life is absolutely insane. So all of us, what we're trying to do is we're trying to balance our life. And there's two things that most of us in here are experiencing that once we understand God's rhythms in his creation, they can help us. One of the things that we're experiencing is burnout. Many people feel burned out. Why? Well, because you have work and you have tons of deadlines. And then if you're married, you have to pour into your spouse. And then if you have kids you got to spend time with all of them. And then you've got to do the housework and the yard work. And then you've got your outside commitments of parent-teacher organizations or all your kids' activities or other social things that you're involved in. Then you're supposed to exercise. And then you have friends. And then you've got, oh, I'm supposed to have a hobby because that's supposed to help me feel better and rest. And then you're supposed to serve, care for those who are in need. And then you've got church, which you're supposed to be at. And then you're supposed to actually sleep. Anybody feel stressed out? And so what we've done is we've said, I've got to balance all that. Right? And you see the, you've seen the example of the plate spinning, right? And you spin this one, you spin this one, you spin. And you're trying to spin all these plates at the same time. And I want to tell you, this, this book by um, Bruce Miller called Your Life in Rhythm, he just came out when I, I heard him speak a few years ago, and he just said, balance is a bunch of bunk. It's just not what we're supposed to be doing. Balance actually isn't in Scripture. Rhythm is in Scripture. So the two things we experience is tons of burnout, but secondly, most of you in this room, including me, you start feeling guilty because you can't do everything. So you're letting everybody down. How many of you feel like you're letting everybody down? You let your work down. You let your spouse down, your kids down, Jesus down. Okay, something's got to help us here. So part of the reason for this, part, okay, now I'm not saying this is the cure-all today, but part of the reason for this is that we ignore the cycles and the rhythms that God has created. In his perfect wisdom, he says, let's understand the expanse of the heavens and the wisdom of the heavens are declaring something about life from God to you and me, all right? So let's pray, and then let me go through a few things with you. <clears throat> God, today, I really do believe is supposed to be a day of hope and a day of peace. I believe you want to offer us your peace today, very practically. 
Lord, you know every, every person in this room who feels incredibly stressed out and guilty, who just can't seem to man the schedule of their life. Lord, just come and may you bring your wisdom to us today. Help us to walk out of here worshiping you, the creator of the heavens. Thanks for what you're trying to tell us. We ask for your grace in that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's three rhythms that I want to look at you with. And I want to tell you, man, today is very practical, okay? If we're going to catch this, it's very practical. The first one is this, the rhythm of pace. It's the rhythm of pace. So when I was in college, I took a, um, a lifeguard class, right? I took a, a swimming class so I could actually get my life-saving uh, lifeguard certificate. So, and it was hilarious because at that time, I was dating a girl who actually was a swimmer, right, in high school. And so, and I'm not a swimmer. I can swim. But I'm football, basketball, baseball, right? I, I don't know the swimming thing. So one day, about halfway through the class, because at the end, you had to swim a whole mile, right? And you had to be able to do that. So she said, well, why don't we go and let's practice, all right? So she jumps in the pool, and I jump in. She has a pace that I don't have. And I'm telling you, man, like, I'm, I'm just struggling as hard as I can. Finally, I, I, I think I got maybe a little over half mile, and I was dying. And I got out of that pool, and the worst thing, right? So I just started dating this girl. I got out of the pool, and all I could think is, I'm going to throw up everywhere. And I had to walk her back to her dorm, and the whole time, man, if there was ever prayer, this was prayer. <laughs> Jesus Please help me not look like an absolute ridiculous guy who can't, you know, I was, I, I made it. I made it. I didn't puke all over the place. But you need to understand your pace. There are different races. There's a hundred yard dash. And when you run a hundred yard dash, it's a different pace than when you're running a mile. Now, when we get to our life in chronos cycles, there's an, an inherent pace within years that are different than seasons that are different than months, years, hours, right? It's different. And basically what we're looking at here is you need to understand the pace, or here's probably a better way to look at it, the, the appropriate frequency of the activities that are in your life. And that's all a pace is, right? If you're running a 100-yard dash, your frequency of steps is do 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 right? And if it's a mile, hopefully it's do 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 There's a different frequency. So here's the question for you, okay? What is the best frequency for each activity, task, and responsibility in your life? What is the appropriate frequency. And when you understand this, you guys, this can help so much. Because lots of times we experience too much confusion and stress in our lives when we try to force longer rhythms into shorter cycles. Let me give you a couple examples, right? You could actually feel, some of you might feel the daily pressure like, oh my gosh, I got to pay the bills, right? And they say, I got to pay the bills. Man, I need to pay the bills, well, the truth is, how often do you actually need to pay the bills? Yeah, once a month. And so once you realize that's a monthly cycle, then you can and, and put it in your calendar, right? You go, I know every month, boom, this day, I'm going to pay the bills. For me, I do it twice a month. I decide to do it every time I get a paycheck. 
I just do it right then and then I'll pay them. But because I know those two days are coming, they're either bi-weekly or they're monthly, there's no need to stress out because you know that this isn't a daily cycle. This is a monthly cycle. So some of you right now, you're feeling like day after day after day, you go, oh man, I need to call my mom. I need to call my mom. Is that you? How many of you feel like you need to call your mom, right? And, and you're, and, but again, I bet you any money that you don't need to call your mom every day. And yet every day you're worrying about it because you haven't realized that there's a different frequency for this task or this responsibility as a child. I should call my mom every week or two weeks or a month, depending on your relationship with your parent. So I'm not, here's another one. I'm not spending enough time with my kids, right? I'm not spending enough quality time with my kids. Well, how much time actually needs to be taken? And what is quality time? And how many days, instead of every single day, calling your mom, paying the bills, spending time with your kids, doing all the chores. See, that's what stresses us out because there are certain things that you can do on a larger cycle. So, I want to tell you, throughout this whole message, last week's message is absolutely critical to be able to do this well. And what I mean by that is, you first thing that has to happen is you've got to know what your big rocks are. You have to know what the highest priorities in your life are. Because once you know what those things are, what matter to you, that whole funeral exercise that we talked about last week, am I living the life that I really want to be living? So you need to figure those out and then pace yourself on those really important things in your life. There's lots of them. You guys all, we all have different values. But let me give you three just really quick. One, you've got to figure out how to pace your relationships. You do. you got to figure out how much time really needs to happen. If you're married, how much regular time? How often do you need to go on dates? How often do you need to talk? How often do you need to go through your schedule? If you have extended family, if you have friends, anybody got friends? If you have friends, I bet you any money, so often I'll start feeling really good, guilty because I haven't spent time with so-and-so. Well, that's because I never got that relationship into the rhythm that would match my life. And I don't know about you, my life is full. Everybody else's life full? I love that. People go, I know you're so busy. I go, everybody's busy. But if something matters to you, then you'll figure out, how often do I need to make sure I spend time with that person? So relationships, you got to find your pace in relationships. You need to find pace at work, and that can be your occupation or at home. I know right now, man, I'm, there's a lot that I need to think about personally about my job here at K2. How can I pace? What needs to get in there? What do I need to do every day? What do I need to do once a week? What do I need to do once a month? And the same thing that's true with tasks at home. Like maybe you can't sweep the floors every day. You know, then how often does it need to happen? This kind of stuff will really help you. And then the third one, a third one is your relationship with God. What's your pace with God? What do you need to do daily with God so that he stays at the center and is the first and most important thing to you? What do you need to do weekly? Are there things that you could do monthly? Could you set a yearly time where you actually get away and maybe spend a whole day with God? I don't know what those things are, but I tell you, you got to figure out the rhythm or the pace of your life. Number two, and that leads us to the second one, which is pretty similar but different. 
and that is the rhythm of rituals. The rhythm of rituals. When you get a rhythm of pace, you guys, seriously, I think the best thing that can happen is the result of that will be peace. You'll start to have peace in your life because you're not stressing out about all these things that you can't do every day and you're not supposed to do every day. The second one, this rhythm of rituals, is something that can give us fulfillment. And a ritual is something that's repeated, it's coordinated, and it's significant. It's repeated, it's coordinated, and it's significant. So one of the things we know about God is God was very clear in creating rituals for the Israelites. Traditions mattered, and he's the one who said you need to do these things. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, he just lists a few of these. Solomon, as, as he's doing the temple, says, On the altar of the Lord that he had built in front of the portico, Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings to the Lord. Now look at this. According to the daily requirements for offerings commanded by Moses for the Sabbath, there's weekly, the new moon, which is monthly, and three annual festivals, the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. So God's like, here's, here's, this is really important to me. You guys understand this. I created weeks and months and seasons and years. And you're supposed to be taking advantage of those. And one of the things that you and I can do to fulfill our life and to make sure we're living the life that God created us for and that we want to live is get these rituals in. Why are they important? Because rituals create cultural identity whether that's with your family, or whether that's in a country, or whether that's at your workplace. Rituals create value. They show things that really matter. And rituals bind people together. You guys, this is true for everything in America, right? We have rituals. We have the 4th of July. We have holidays. We have Labor Days. We have certain things, and again, they're repeated, they're coordinated, and they're significant. They create cultural identity. I'm an American. It creates values of freedom, and they bind us together, especially after 9-11. Nations do this. States do this. Cities do this. You can do this type of thing in your workplace. You can create rituals to make sure that you are binding together as people around significant values. And when you do something on a repeated nature, it was coordinated, it shows that it has value. Churches do this, right? We, do, we celebrate communion on a regular basis. We meet here weekly. Families do this. And this is huge for families. I actually want to read you a quote from uh, the Journal of Family Psychology. It says this. Ah... Uh, the crucial importance of rituals to the health and well-being of families. Trying to balance work and home in today's busy, stress-filled world. Listen to this. Rituals provide stability in times of stress and transition. They are associated with marital satisfaction, adolescents' sense of personal identity, children's health, academic achievement, and stronger family relationships. In their early years, children are healthier and their behavior is better regulated when there are predictable routines in the family. So, this, is, and this, isn't, this isn't a Christian thing. This is, again, it's the journal of family psychology. And what they're understanding is God created rhythms, and when you take advantage of them and put rituals into your family, it binds you together 
creates value and it creates a culture of the type of people that you want to be. So this is true for personal growth. And this is also true. One of the best things that I ever did years ago on on a ritual was um, I was at a church planning conference with about 50 guys. And they asked us just to share what is it that actually refreshes you? You, I want to really encourage you guys to answer this question. This is something else you got to do. A lot of stuff you got to do when you go home, okay? Go home and write down what fills you up. What refreshes your spirit? And this doesn't have to be spiritual. It can be, but it can be anything. And so once you start listing down those things, I tell you, if you are married or if you have a really close friend, get together and share them with each other. Because sometimes Susie's able to help me you know, define what really refreshes me, and I can help her define that. And then what they said to do was, you have to figure out what those things are that refresh you, and then how often do you need to do them? Should you be doing that every day? Do you need to do that weekly? Do you need to do it every other week? Is it something that you need to get into your calendar every month? Is it something that once a year you need to do? And I tell you, man, it was so great. Suze and I, what they challenged us to do, and we did this for a little while, I told her, yes, we got to get back to this. But what we do is we would go on a date at the end of the month and we bring our calendars. And we've had our list of the things that really fill us up. And then because they were valuable to us, we put them in our calendar. Because you guys know this, right? If you don't stick stuff in your calendar, your calendar will eat you up. Will it not? So, what are the rituals? What are the traditions? What are those repeated, coordinated, valuable things? that you need to do in your family, in your workplace, and in your relationship with God, all right? And here's the third one, and this one was so intriguing to me. And this is the rhythm of work and rest. The rhythm of work and rest. This is for all of us Americans. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says this, there is a time to tear and a time to mend. Now, here's what's really interesting. I heard someone, you know, you'll people say, life is a marathon. (laughs) Actually, scientists are studying our biology, our makeup as human beings. And here's here's what they're finding out. Life is not supposed to be a marathon. Life is actually a series of sprints and rest. Sprint and rest. And I love it when it says there's a time to tear and a time to mend. Because here's what we all understand, you know, if you, if you go to a trainer, a physical trainer today, here's what we know. That muscle growth, if you're actually going to become stronger physically, then you have to systematically, right, on a repeated basis, you must stress it. You have to actually expend energy beyond the normal level. This doesn't work, right? No stress, You actually have to push yourself beyond what's normal. And here's what's interesting. It actually creates microscopic tears. There's a time to tear. Now, here's what we need to know. But when you get to, all of you who've worked out, when you get to the end of a workout session, right, what's true about you? Your functional capacity is completely diminished, is it not? (laughs) Like, I remember times I have worked out so hard that then I've gone in the gym and I went to comb my hair and I couldn't even do it. You guys ever been there? And you're like, this came. 
One time, I, I, uh, years ago, I think when we were first married, I just decided, man, I'm just going to take these curls and I'm going to do them until I, they weren't even heavy, but I'm just going to do as many reps as I can until I can't even move it. I just can't even do them. I, did, I mean, seriously, I just, I went for it all, the, as many as I could. Have you guys ever done that? Especially when you haven't been working out? The next morning, I was like, I can't move my arms. They literally were stuck. And so here's what we know. But for my muscle to grow, I need to extend it beyond the norm, put stress on it, so there are microscopic tears, and then I need to rest it. And when I rest it to recover, it actually comes back stronger. This is fascinating, because this is absolutely true about how God created rhythm for you and me in our life. Think about this. Too much energy expenditure without sufficient recovery eventually leads to burnout and breakdown. And some of you in here, you're like, I am there right now. You are being torn down. You can't move one more ounce. But listen to this. Too much recovery without sufficient stress leads to atrophy and weakness. And some of you right now, you're not living life, and it's not because you're stressed out because you're doing too much. It's because you're not stressing it. You're actually not pushing yourself beyond any sense of the norm. And if you don't do that, it leads to atrophy and weakness. So this is interesting. Overuse it, and you lose it. Use it or lose it. You guys, can you follow that at all? <laughs> if you overuse it, you will lose it, but you must use it or you're going to lose it. So somehow there's a rhythm here. And the rhythm is you're supposed to extend yourself beyond the norm. This is why Jesus says this whole mediocre, lukewarm faith, I hate it, right? This is why life, every one of us, should be pushing ourselves beyond the norm and stretching ourselves and then resting. So let's go to these scriptures. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You know what's he saying? What he's saying is, whatever you do, expend energy beyond the normal levels. Don't give a half-baked effort, work at it with how much of your heart? All of it. Go for it. Stretch yourself. Do stuff you never thought you would do. Put more hours in. Do it. Then Leviticus 23 says, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest. A day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. Isn't that cool? See, guys, here's what you need to understand. Everything that God does in creation reveals something about himself. So in our physical bodies, he's created this reality. You must stress yourself and push yourself against the norm, and you must rest. And for your soul, you must work with all of your heart, and give it everything you've got, and then you must rest. This is a rhythm that God has put in. 
Mark 2, 27, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God made. See, Jesus said, so even though there's not a, an, in, in astronomy, even though it's not within the physical creation, God made the Sabbath, and that Sabbath is the seventh day, you shall not work. You guys, we got to get into the rhythm of working with all our heart and stressing ourselves and not being mediocre because then we're flabby and we don't grow. But man, if you're a person who's going for it, you better rest or you're going to burn out and you're not going to be any good. Growth only happens through those two things. Can I just go through real quickly just some examples for us? How about daily? So daily, what you need to understand is this, right? Most of us on a daily basis are working. So then we got to figure out what do we do with our discretionary time? So I, and I'll be totally honest with you. I've shared this with my accountability partners, with Susie. I still feel like I don't know how to end my day well. Somehow I have this really goofy thing in my mind that says I should work from the day I get up, from the moment I get up all the way till I go to bed. Anybody else like that? Okay, it's just me. That'll, I'll, I'll talk to myself about that one. Um, <laughs> but it's weird. Like I feel guilty if after I put in an 8 to 10 hour day and then came home and helped with dinner and did the dishes and put the kids down, like, okay, I got one more hour. What should I do? Right? I, that's just, some, I don't know. I got to work on that one. But here's the other thing. On a daily basis, you must what? Sleep. <laughs> and sleep occurs in cycles of 90 to 120 minutes. It is best, and here's what's interesting. So it is best to work. What they're finding is that these sleep cycles of 90 to 120 minutes, it's also 90 to 120 minutes when you're awake. You should be giving it everything you've got and then take a little bit of a break. This is very interesting to me. It's best to work hard for an hour and a half to two hours and then take a short break. So how many of you, if you ever took a nap during the day, would feel incredibly guilty, right? <laughs> okay, I want to move south of the border. Anybody else? <laughs> All right, let's do this little siesta. But here's what's interesting. People are studying naps now. And the National Institute of Mental Health shows that power naps prevent burnout. Research is showing that napping maintains and even boosts your skills from creative problem solving and alertness and physical stamina to mood and memory. Now, how long are these naps? Yeah, no, like 15 minutes, right? It's a, it's a, it's a power nap. It's a, it's a bam, I'm just gonna close my eyes. And I wanna tell you, I've actually tried this the last few months, especially when I'm studying. I'm an extrovert, I like to get out. When I'm stuck in a room studying, uh, next thing you know, man, especially after lunch, I'm just like, anybody else after lunch, the uh, lunch coma, right? Here's what I found. If I'll set my alarm literally for 15 minutes, put my head back, and just close my eyes, and as soon as the alarm goes off, pop up and go, I'm good the whole rest of the day. It's crazy. It's really interesting. There's a rhythm here. That's when you sleep, and maybe even while you're awake. So, if you fight these cycles, of rest and sleeping, then what do you do? You take stimulants like coffee and energy drinks and amphetamines. <laughs> and if you can't relax, then you go to alcohol, marijuana, and sleeping pills. <laughs> right? Could it be that maybe you're just not living in the rhythm of life that God created you to live in? Okay, weekly, I've already hit it. 
I'm telling you, this Sabbath, and Susie and I have fought this, this is so hard. But I, I just, I, you know, and I talk to my own team. And they're like, I, I can't do it, man. I just, I can't do it. It's, isn't it interesting? I don't have anybody on my team. We never say, man, I can't stop murdering people. <laughs> I, I can't stop sleeping with other people's wives. I just can't do it. Isn't that weird, the, the Ten Commandments? Ten, top ten. There are so many things on there we would never even think of doing because I love God. And I never even think of keeping the Sabbath at all. And it's in the top ten. And how cool is that that God put that Sabbath in there so you would rest because he wants you to work hard. He wants you to stress. He wants you to push yourself beyond. And he wants you to rest. Man, we got to figure this puppy out. Okay? Monthly. Real quick on that one. I don't know, if you actually look at your month, this is where I would look at your weekends because we're talking about discretionary time. you got to go to work. can't do anything about that. But what if you pulled back every month and looked at your weekends and said, hey, here's what's important to me. I'm going to put these in to my month. And then we've got seasons. We've got seasons. I tell you, I'm learning this a lot. Um, when you have kids, there's a season, right? The school kind of mandates a season. Many of you at your workplace, you have a season in your work. And you know there are certain times. We, we, at K2, we know that. We learned that. We learned a big lesson this fall. Everything starts back up in the fall. It's absolutely insane. And my team, their tongues were just falling on the ground because we had to do so many things. We put too many things on the plate. So now we're learning. The fall is not only when we're cranking up. All you guys are cranking up too, aren't you? Like everything starts going. So there's seasons. you got to understand, well, then what do we, how, so we have to look at that. How are we going to operate in the fall? Because if the fall is a really intense time, then maybe that summer season, we would chill a little bit, right? Chill a little bit when you know a huge season's coming up. And once you've poured yourself out, see if you can get back into a rhythm. There are seasons that you need to figure out in your life. And then lastly, what do you do for a year? How many of you guys have ever been to one of those vacation club presentations? Hey guys, man, those, aren't they awesome? Because, man, you go to one of those and they're like, oh, my God, if I don't go on vacation, I'm going to die. Isn't that not the truth? I mean, they throw all these stats at your, your family. Your marriage is going to fall apart. Your wife is going to leave you, and you're going to collapse and die. You need to join our vacation club. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the stats actually show that. Studies show that women who took a vacation only once every six years we're almost eight times more likely to develop heart disease or have a heart attack than those who took at least two vacations a year. Study of 12,000 men, 35 to 65 at State University of New York, men who took yearly vacations reduced their overall risk of death by a 20% and their risk of death from heart disease as much as 30%. Isn't that interesting? You know what? I actually think that that's what those festivals were in the Old Testament. They all had to leave what they were doing four times a year, and they had to go and hang out with God and party. Doesn't that sound good? Not a good God. I'm serious. That's God. Stop working. Come out, hang out with me, celebrate how good I am to you, eat lots of food, and drink lots of wine. That's what he said. Have a good time. All right, let me close with this. Here's what I know. None of this will actually take place unless you and I go home and I've got to find some accountability in this as well. You're going to have to take some time. 
And you're going to have to go back to last week, and you're going to have to figure out what's most important to you. What do you value with your life? And then you've got to figure out how to pace those activities. You've got to figure out how to get the rituals into your relationships and the things that matter to you. And then you must figure out this work-rest rhythm. And here's what I know. Without time outside of these four walls, we won't do this. So I want to really, really encourage you. And then I'm going to close with this. Band, you guys can come on up. I know <clears throat> that why do we do let's make a big deal? <laughs> because everything in this world is telling me that I should give my days and my weeks and my months and my years to stuff that doesn't really matter. And I get duped into it and so do you. And you guys, here's what we need to remember. When you figure out your time and what's most important to you and you order your life around those values, there's health, there's peace, there's joy, there's actual relational connection with the people you say that matter most to you. This is really, really important. So we got to go here, Matthew chapter 22, when somebody came to Jesus and they said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What's the most important thing that I should order my life, my days and weeks and months and seasons and years around? And Jesus said what? <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So more than anything else, you guys, God created these rhythms for this. And then he wants to be in all of this. He wants to give you wisdom with your spouse and with your kids and with your work and with your recreation. But the thing that has to happen first is that we gotta make sure that God is at the center of my time, of my life. So as our greeters come forward and we take our offering, why again did God say to, to give an offering? Why did he say to return first to him 10% of what he's given to you? Why did he do that? Because he, he knows that your heart is gonna follow where your treasure goes. And so this is one of those rhythms, right? That's why every week for Susan and I, as soon as we get our paycheck, I've set up bill pay on our, on our bank with Wells Fargo. First thing that happens is 10% just goes. That's a rhythm. Every paycheck, there's a rhythm that allows my heart to say, God, you get first from me. And if you, if you haven't done set up online giving or whatever, if you haven't set that up, then we have our, our greeters right here. And we're going to give you a chance just to respond first in this rhythm to God with what he's given you so that your heart can stay in a good pattern of following and belonging to him. All right? And then while we do that, we're going to sing this song. And we're going to tell God right now, thank you for these rhythms. I want to serve you. I want to love you first. All right? Let's stand together and let's worship.